Owen, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, would you mind telling people a little bit about yourself? Oh, of course, Dan. Look, it's always a, always a pleasure to add a bit more to kind of what's the conversation in the industry at the moment. Uh, I know you've been a part of it for a while in terms of your background from things like you know, Broadbean and things like that. And uh, and Pager, as you said, is, is one of our products. But yeah, um, for those who don't know me, my name is Owen Woods. Uh, I head up the marketing function across the globe for, for Harnham, uh, the data analytics recruiter. Uh, in a previous life, uh, I've worked uh, across... Um, various bits and pieces in recruitment. I started life working for the SAP Recruiter Red, uh, followed that by the uh, kind of uh, sustainability and environmental recruiter Acre. Uh, and I've also done a stint in uh, executive search with Carmichael Fisher last year. Um, I've only been in the role with Harlem a few months, but um, you know, I, I echo Darren's comments then about the fact that I think we have a great relationship between our, our sales and marketing function. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to discuss more. And, and this is billed as, as beer with Darren. So I thought I'd, I have, Got myself a beer. I had to get myself a beer. I, you know, I've gone something special. I've gone for a Cape Point beer from uh, some South Africa. It's a pale ale, uh, and it's always nice to be drinking at three thirty on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> so I've got a confession to make off the back of that. I don't have a beer, and the reason being is I went to the fridge and I am out of beer. Shock horror hit me, and it's not the sort of thing I can solve quite quickly anymore because it's actually difficult to obtain beer now. So, yeah, unfortunately, yep. this is the first year with Aaron where I'm drinking Fanta. <laughs> well, well, least, I'm, I'm, hold, I'm holding up one end of the one end of the bargain now. That's fine. You, you said this was all about beer, Darren, so that's why I'm here. It, it is, and I'm, I was gutted. You know, I opened the fridge door, and disappointment just struck me. Um, but it just shows I've been drinking too much beer recently because I bought. <laughs> I reckon twenty four cans a few weeks ago. It wasn't. It wasn't. And they've gone quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it happens. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it, especially drinking three thirty in the afternoon. But the reason that I wanted to chat to you is that we've done a we've done a survey recently where mm. we took a hundred salespeople, and over fifty percent of them said they had a bad relationship with marketing, which shocked me. Um, it really did, and. If we go if we go further into that, actually, thirty eight percent said it was a weak relationship, and fifteen percent said it was non existent, and that that fifteen percent is what really shocked me. Does that mm. shock you? Or something you expected? I, I don't know. I think you know if you look at my history, I, I've been kind of just my eleventh year now in recruitment, something like that, and and you know. I think when I started out, there wasn't really a marketing function in recruitment uh, for most businesses. And so I've had to start that relationship from scratch, um, work out who uh, are people who buy into marketing. And, and also you, you kind of, you've got some people on the way that you need to convert. So they're people that don't believe in marketing. They're, they're perhaps a little bit old school who see marketing as a cost and, and you've got to win them around. So, yeah, I'm a little bit uh, surprised in this day and age that, that we are still seeing that that kind of issue in terms of a, a marketing sales relationship. Um, I think organizations as a whole have had to, you know, become more marketing led. Um, and, and, you know, those kind of stats really, really surprised me that there isn't that kind of relationship going on there. Um, th there's probably various reasons behind it, um, but I can't put a finger on, on one right now. Everything we do, we try and involve our sales function. Um, you know, whether that's myself or, or Ben in my team, we try to come with the, with marketing uh, campaigns or create things that, that link with sales because we always want to be driving ROI. And of course, you know, we want to be driving deals. Um, that's what we're benchmarked on at the end of the day. Obviously, we want to make it look pretty and do some amazing things that thought leadership wise. But at the end of the day, we're here to help salespeople. And as a sales organization, we want to make more money and, and drive deals. So that's that's quite surprising for me. And you mentioned a really interesting point there where you at the start of a campaign, you talk to your you talk to your sales and get their input. That leads almost into the next the next question. Now, 
we actually found that majority of salespeople speak to their marketing department less than once a month. How often do you speak to your salespeople? Uh, well, that's, that's a difficult one. So if I look at perhaps, uh, I, I speak to my CEO once a week. Um, and I, I speak to, you know, probably uh, head of practice, head of function, head of specialism areas. I, I probably do a call with them at least once every couple of weeks. Um, as we go down the kind of the chain or the tree of, of hierarchy, um, it probably gets down at, at the lower level to maybe once a month, perhaps. But it all depends on what's happening that month and what the focus is in terms of a campaign. Um, you know, if you look at this, the past kind of seven weeks or so in lockdown, we've realized very quickly that we've got a very, we've got a large captive audience and um, our audience relationship is with our sales guys. Uh, and if we want to tap into that, that audience, we need to work with the sales guys. Um, and, you know, we're probably having conversations more with some people and some people we won't have had conversations with, if I'm being honest with you completely. Um, mm. But we try to have an open door policy. If the thing is, I always say to the guys, look, if you've got anything at all, just reach out to us and have a chat um, between myself, Ben. Uh, and we're also very lucky to have a, uh, have Charlie Waterman working with us at the moment from our internal recruitment team, who's helping out on some of the furlough engagement, things like that. Um, and, you know, I think we've probably had pretty good constant, uh, you know, contact touch points throughout, but perhaps maybe you're right. Maybe there isn't at an individual level uh, enough one, uh, that kind of one-to-one -one time, but it's also the scale of the organization. You know, if you look at Harnham, for example, we are, you know, we're, we're 60, uh, 160 plus across the globe, four offices across the world, you know, all different time zones. And so that does have a little bit of a, an issue. So I think as long as you kind of get into that communication at a head of team level or a director level, then you're hoping that message gets filtered down. And then there is that ad hoc one-to-one -one relationship you have with the sales consultants as well. Absolutely. And what you mentioned at the start was that you're, you're measured on sales. And I actually think that's not as common as it should be. I think a lot of marketing departments don't have um, revenue attribution set up. They probably can't measure the impact of the lead. How do you do that, Harlem, and, and or where you previously were? It, it, honestly, looking at ROI in recruitment can be a little bit tricky. You can look at that classic thing, you know, X amount of spend on the job board returns X amount of candidates that gives you X amount of placements. That's the old school kind of methodology at a base level. It's not foolproof. You're, you're reliant on, on throughout the chain of, of those pieces looking at, data recording correctly have, have they have they been tagged up properly on crm systems that kind of thing and darren you'll know this in terms of data quality that you know it, it can disappear it can become a, a kind of a, a secondary thought in in terms of a process if we look at things like leads and stuff like that we, we always try and record where our leads come from so we can attribute things to them and we also look at campaigns a bit more not holistically is not the right word but you know a little bit of those kind of vanity metrics as well uh, you know, if we put out a, a piece of content, for example, of course, we want to see the, the number of views. We want to see the number of uh, people who, who've read the article, shared it, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's where we're we, we kind of making with those kind of vanity metrics. Then they are great to see. They can give you an indicator, but they're not really hard ROI figures. And um, so we are going back to looking at our CRM, looking at sources of leads, looking at sources of candidates and looking at sources of placements. Um, and that, that's an important. And, and then to most of you, we have to review those those channels and, and where we're getting leads from and where we're getting candidate acquisition. I'm doing it right now. It's just been the end of the end of April. I'm busy now with my head in spreadsheets, going through our CRM system, looking at our different data sources, working out where we've where we've kind of made candidate attraction, 
how's our web traffic, how's our web traffic, how's our application rates, lead rates, that kind of thing. And we're always trying to look at that to see where we can improve. Um, I'm a big believer, I'm a big cyclist, um, and I'm a big believer in Dave Brailsford's theory around continual improvement, small improvements. So if you can see where you're making mistakes or potential opportunities there, and you can tweak your strategy as you go through. And that's why reporting is really, really important, particularly on a monthly basis. And particularly in, in a challenging time like the, like the moment with COVID, you know, what we saw in February is nothing like March. And what we're seeing in April is nothing like March as well. It's a completely changing world. So you really have to be aware of what's happening right now in your, in your, in your space in terms of what campaigns work and what hasn't. And I don't know about you, but, you know, there's been a lot of uh, guides and bits and pieces like that. We're seeing at a candidate level, those guides are working. They're proving very popular. Our, our CV guide last week was, in, was probably one of the most read pieces over the last kind of six weeks or so. Um, so there are people looking there for that thought leadership piece there. Um, and, and at the same time, we're trying to work out what we can give back in terms of, of clients. So you might have seen that we've started our LinkedIn Live series. Uh, really, really proud of that. We've got a great one coming up this Thursday, uh, which is the 7th, which is all about virtual recruitment and onboarding, which we know is, is from our clients is a challenge. Absolutely. And I, it's interesting because before COVID-19, I think a lot of the content we were producing was candidate attraction. I think it was a candidate driven market and it's really changed in the last two months i think really climbed in I, I could not agree more with you look you know before if you, if you talk about let's just look at the uk for this moment with these stats you know we had one of the lowest unemployment rates um since the 1970s um which you which generally means as you quite rightly said it's a candidate short market which we need to do work on candidates but what's happened with covid is we flipped overnight from being a candidate-led market to a client-led market we're client short if you if you're being if you're in reality most industries are because a lot of big businesses paused roles or deferred them or moved them down their their you know in terms of their priority levels so we've gone overnight from having to be a candidate attraction you know business to trying to be a client attraction business and we've got we've almost had to do that in lockdown remote over the past six weeks or so uh, and that, that's been a real challenge. And again, going back to that geographical thing, we talked about the UK then with unloan employment, you know, what's happening in the States, what's happening in Europe is, is, all, is all very different. Um, you know, huge levels of unemployment happening in the States. We've got the furlough scheme here in the UK, and we're seeing, starting to see the opening up of Europe again in terms of people going back to work to, to a small extent. It's a constantly changing thing. And I, I, you know, I, for one, you know, I think there's a lot of testing going on right now in terms of what works and what doesn't. And no one seems to really have the 100% answer. So you just got to, this is where, you know, we talked about ROI. This is where your creative marketing piece comes in and you go, actually, I think this will work. So you've just got to try it and see a little bit. Absolutely. And in terms of coming back to the sales and marketing relationship a little mm. bit, the, the most i'm going to run through the top five complaints with you and see whether they oh, resonate. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> when, are we, when are we going to do the survey about marketing complaints about salespeople in recruitment because i'd like to do that one <laughs> it's absolutely going out there i'll, I'll send you a link um so the, the number one complaint from salespeople was not enough communication what, what are your thoughts on that well i you know i think that's probably a uh, probably fair i you know we, we I'm going to hold my hands up and say, as I've said previously, we don't talk to everybody in the organization. There's no way that physically, you know, two two people in an organization can speak to 165 people. All we do is Zoom calls every day and we wouldn't get anything done. So the, you've got to balance that out a little bit. Um, and I, I suppose then that question comes on to who are you communicating with in your organization? Who's then communicating down the line to their teams? Um, and, and, and I'm going to you know, say maybe a little bit controversial perhaps and say, well, you've got to choose who you pass the message on to and then hopefully that person is the messenger. Um, but mm -hmm. I totally get the point and I, I get the comment. I can understand why people feel like that. Um, 
you know that's that's one of those things um we'll move on the <laughs> most common complaint was that the posts are too generic so our social media posts are too generic for them too generic for them now i, I suppose my pushback to that question would be are marketing people still writing salespeople's LinkedIn posts? That would be my question back there. I right. thought we'd move to a point now where, where social selling was such a big part of everyone's life that a recruiter had to be have their marketing hat on uh, and should be doing with that. I think my pushback a little bit as a marketeer would be, oh, you want me to write your LinkedIn post, but I'm not going to get your tone of voice. I don't know your audience as well as you do. You know, I, I would probably push that back a little bit. If we're talking about generic posts in terms of company, then yeah, I think they've got to be generic, but they still have to be talking to your audience. Um, you know, you've got yeah. to relate it back that way. Actually, one and interesting, one of the feature requests from yourself that we, we haven't built yet, but it's on our roadmap, is so that on LinkedIn you can segment the audience that you're posting to. Um, oh. And so you make use of that, right? So that your posts are going to the right audience. Yeah, we, we do completely. Look, for example, we run our, our annual salary survey. Uh, we, you know, we've just kind of closed it down now, but you know, you. you we obviously aim that at three different audiences. We've got a UK audience, we've got a European audience, and we've got a US audience. And we use the segmentation function on LinkedIn to talk to different audiences. There's no point putting a, a post out at two o'clock in, you know, sorry, 11 o'clock in the morning in London, hoping that's gonna reach the US because they're not even awake yet. And, and the reality is the shelf life of a LinkedIn piece of content is, you know, is very short, as you know. It probably, if you're lucky, you might get 12 hours out of a piece, perhaps, um, depending on the quality of the content or what it's about. So in reality, to reach all your audiences, you've got to be segmenting them and you've got to be posting across different time zones to allow that, um, you know. It's a real tricky one. Your West Coast audience, you know, when I when we talk about communication with our, with our sales guys, things like that, the guys in the states in in the West Coast there are only coming on. You know, it's it's was it nine thirty in the morning? It's four thirty p.m. here. It's a real tough thing to reach. So our day finishes at five thirty six o'clock. How do we carry on engaging with that that West Coast audience? And you know, a product like yourselves with Pager, which is great for scheduling, but the ability to to take that another step further by segmenting it opens up another opportunity. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and, and we're working on that for the LinkedIn company pages, just so everyone knows. But I wanted I wanted to point out that <laughs> it, it's something that you can do. Your LinkedIn company page, the posts don't need to be generic for everyone. You can segment the audiences on there. Um, and if anyone needs any help with that, Owen actually said he's going to do a webinar on that whenever he's... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm always happy to chat about segmentation and also data. I'm not just trying to plug Harnham because we're a data data recruiter. It's, uh, data is just so important to recruit uh, to marketing nowadays. You, you have to have an analytical hat on. You have to have everything on. And, and your audiences in different places are in different stages. And I just, you know, I'll go back to again around COVID. We are seeing across the globe a completely different status happening across every place. Um, you know, uh, West Coast went into lockdown. We perhaps in the UK were late to lockdown. Europe were ahead of lockdown. How, how do you relate to that audience? And, and they're all in different situations. So, so what, it, one size doesn't fit all anymore. No, absolutely not. And the the third complaint was they don't ask for our opinions. Now, you mentioned right at the start that you get your sales teams involved in your campaign. Yeah, we, we, we do. You know, we, we've obviously, if we talk about, I'd really like to focus on the last kind of, um, I've only been in the role since January. So, I, of course, I'm still learning a lot, a lot for the business and getting to know everybody. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's weird not know. I, I have to hold my hands up and say, I don't know everybody. I know of everybody, but I've probably not spoken to everybody. Um, but, you know, something that we are trying to is to engage with the sales guys the most we want to make them thought leaders we, we want to make sure that they're engaging the audience and and you know during this period of time you can't be you've got to work with your clients in a slightly different way and your customers because you can't call them and go you got any jobs on 
because no one's got any jobs on in reality. So you have to think about how you can work with your sales consultants to engage your, your clients and your candidates. So we've been working from the start to, um, we work a lot um, with crowdsourcing content. So whether that be uh, thought leadership pieces, uh, innovative projects that are happening, or just different things that big businesses or, or people are doing throughout. And so our sales guys, work with a piece of content with us or, or pick out some targets and we work out how they can they can target those targets uh, around getting them on board to come and write content with us or perhaps feature on a webinar or something like that so that we can engage our audience in, in, a, in a different way that's not just oh have you got any jobs on and that's you know that that's the way it's got to be and um, you, you've got to adapt to the, to the current situation i think absolutely and it's interesting you mentioned that because the, the, the fourth largest complaint was that marketers have a lack of industry knowledge so they don't know the sector they, they represent. It's such a weird one. I, you know, right now I I I don't know all the answers. I know a lot of the marketing insight piece because obviously I've used CRM products, I've used analytic products, so I get that piece of, of one of our specialisms. Um, the other bits around fraud analytics and stuff like that, that that stuff's starting to go over my head. But I'm learning as I go. I have to learn on the job to work out these things. Luckily, I've got a great team around me who can give me insight into into the business. And a lot of our, our, our kind of our sales guys have taught me a lot already because they really are, um, you know, they're either ex-industry or they've grown up through the business and we have a great training platform, a great training team here that educate them. So I had to lean on them for some knowledge and they've given me some great insight about the different, you know, angles of data and things like that and its usage. Um, but if, you, if you're talking about having that knowledge, I remember when I worked at Red, I, I definitely knew, I, I pretty much knew every company that was running SAP at one point or another. <laughs> People would ask, go, oh, do you know anyone in this industry? And you, I'd be literally like, you know, you get the all hands email going, does anyone know anyone in this kind of industry? And I'd be like, yeah, they're running this and this and that. I was like, oh my God, how do I know that? Have I just been doing this for so long? But you've got to, you're right, you've got to immerse yourself into it and you've got to understand what's happening. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time reading, um, a lot of time with things like Google Alerts, trying to upskill myself so I understand. And I think the thing is, if you don't know what they, what you know, what you're talking about, it's very, very obvious when you're speaking to clients. And I've been on a lot of calls over the past few weeks with CEOs, heads of VPs who we're trying, we're planning to do content with over the next kind of uh, four, six weeks or so. And if I didn't know what I was talking about, I, I think I'd be, you know, up a creek without a paddle, and I'd be found out very quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's a key takeaway because you're obviously new to the role at Harnham and anybody that's new to recruit marketing, make sure you just get involved and, and you know, ask the sales team. They, they appreciate you asking, you know, saying yeah. from yeah. five minutes about this. Yeah, honestly, you're totally right. And you've got to ask questions. You know, there's no, in my book, there's no such thing as a stupid, a stupid question. Uh, there's only stupid answers. Um, and, you know, doing things like this with you, things like with Glenn, for example, Victoria, um, the various people, there's a community of marketeers that is going on um, that I always recommend anyone who's getting, you know, is new into the role, into maybe they're an ex-marketeer from another industry coming into recruitment. Speak to your peers. Um, we're not a closed door anymore. It's not like that old kind of recruitment adage, which is I'm not going to share anything with you or I'm not putting my profile on the on the on the Internet because people, won't be, you know, people will find me. You know, forget that. We've got to share as, a, as an as an organization and also as a, as a as a peer group. You know, it's the best way to improve. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so impressed with the, the Lonely Marketers um, community that's going on. If you're not part of that. Just yep. drop me a message and uh, we can get you added through Glenn. Exactly that. Or, or even content like you speaking to other things. You know, I listen to a lot of them. Some of the podcasts are out there. You know, some of the other recruit, you know, some of the other marketers doing videos. 
just take some time to have a listen and understand what they're doing because you can totally, you know, it's not stealing their ideas anymore. And like flattery is the, you know, is great, right? In, in kind of imitation. Um, and, and that's that's important. And you've got to learn of each other. You've got to, you know, you can keep a few things underneath your hat. You don't want to don't reveal because you might have competitors in that space, but nothing wrong with sharing at all. Brilliant. And it leads very nicely on to our fifth and final complaint. <laughs> Is ironic, um, given what we do at Pager. You know, we we get our people to share marketing content. Their fifth biggest complaint is that marketing asks them to share irrelevant content. Now, that's an interesting one. Now, we do something here at Harnham, and that's something that my, you know, uh, one of my team, Ben, uh, totally owns. He he heads up our content and PR. Um, he's a, he's a fabulous writer. But what he does every week is he. Uh, we look at our, our kind of our five key specialist areas that we focus on, and we gather together all the content that we've shared as as a company uh, across the week, and we gather them into sections to make them relevant to those individual teams. So we guarantee that at least every you know each team will have at least five bits of quality content that they can share with their audiences. It's a really really quick win. Um, you know, it makes it accessible to them uh, and it makes it accessible to their community, their audience, because in reality, their audience on social is going to be a reflection of what they recruit for. And if you can give them pieces like that, uh, it, you know, it, it's super easy. So we send out this Thursday Trends email. It literally has our kind of top level company pieces. So these are the big news from the company that we want you to be sharing. And then we break it down into individual teams saying that these are the content for you, this is content for you. And, and that seems to go down really well. Um, you know, I, I check the stats on, on a Friday morning and, and you've got a lot of red uh, red, red alerts going on on LinkedIn to say, oh, these have been shared, this has been shared. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's one of the best ways I've seen it. Before, people would have just sent an all hands email saying, can you like this? Can you share this? Uh, and, and you're yeah. sharing to to you're just sharing to into an into the ethos to each other. So you've got to make the content that you're asking the guys to share appropriate to their audiences. Absolutely, and I think that's the key takeaway. And, and you know, we we let people segment salespeople by department, location, tag. Yep. yep. Whether people use them or not, we don't control that. So it's um it's one of the things we made sure we built in that you can segment everybody. Yeah. But it is key that I'm with you when, uh, you know, Broadbean and the marketing team used to send an email around the office saying, can you order back and share this? And the immediate thing I did was press the link. That's yeah. the reality. Yeah, that's the reality. And and the thing is, you know, it's that, uh, it's the classic Oxfam advert, if I use that with that as a, an, an analogy. Okay, so you just give a you just give someone a piece of content to share, and that's it. They don't learn from it. If you give them a piece of content and you tell them how to use it, they're going to use it again. Um, and we see more and more and more that the, the the guys who are doing that level of engagement in terms of their they're thinking about what they want to say, they're asking questions, they're doing that kind of thing on the post, are getting way more engagement from it, and they're seeing not necessarily rewards, but they're seeing engagement, which is which is itself a reward. You know, they're seeing people answer their comment to their comments, or they're, they're perhaps connecting with them because they thought it was interesting, and that seems to be working well. If all that all that's happening is is a share going on, you know, there's not a lot happening there. Uh, in my in in my opinion, in terms of interaction, it's great that they're spreading it to their networks. That's fantastic. But are people really engaging with that content? And considering the amount of content that's been created on LinkedIn, you've got to try your best to stand out, or at least add your own spin to it. And it's something that we're we're not perfect at. You know, I, you know, I, I'm also can be sometimes be lazy and just go. Actually, I want to share this piece, but I'm not going to put a comment on it. It's fine in that moment. But sometimes, you know, you bend it around, and that's a training piece as well. Um, I think the, probably the classic one I, I always used to hear is, oh, I don't get any value out of it. I'm not seeing an instant return. 
on 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 my engagement or in my investment in time. Um, and, and you can't; it's not an instant thing. You've got to build up your your audience to get that. Absolutely, and I, I've been working on my personal brand for two years, and I still would say I don't get the return that I deserve. The uh, amount of money puts in. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Look, I, I've gone from you know last week I put out a post and it's got two thousand, you know, two, you know, whatever it was, something ridiculous, you know, forty likes or engagement levels or whatever, and then I put out another post a few days later and it's got absolutely nothing. So yeah. it, it, it's 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 you know it's one of those things. You know, some people seem to have it nailed down, and, and I and I'm going to hold hands and say, look, I'm always constantly looking to myself to improve. Sometimes I get it right. Uh, I mean, I remember once I shared a um, an advert for Lego that got twenty thousand likes, and I went viral for a bit. And then the next day, I posted something else, and I got <laughs> got two likes. You're like, <laughs> how does it how does this work in reality? But yeah, it's it's one of those things. And again, I think that comes back down to trying to understand the algorithm, understanding your timings, understanding that kind of thing, and you learn from that kind of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's that's the end of the feedback we got from the salespeople. I do have a few follow up questions. If that's yeah, of right. course. Yeah, go for it. So my, my, one of my favorite questions is, if you were starting your own recruitment agency right now and you had room for five people in that business, what would that look like? Who would the people be? <laughs> I'd probably just hire marketeers and we just do it all because that's we're, we're so confident that we can do it all. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, I think you've got to have marketing. I think obviously my, my always go-to thing is content person. Um, a content uh, and PR person can help you out so much. They can help you out with website copy. They can help you out with RFPs. They can help you out with pitches. They can help you out with advert writing. They can provide you with so many variables in that in that piece. You, you need a great BD person as well. You know, you need someone who's going to bash down those doors, but understands why they're bashing down those doors. Um, and, and then you you know that that's two people. Um, I always say you need a great finance person. Just because, as recruiters, you're well aware that we love a night out, and we often overspend on those things. So just keep <laughs> someone keep someone in check on, on the on the beer tab. Um, and I would be my big investment. Would be, another one would be operations and, and IT. Um, so I'd go one marketing person, one finance person, one BD, uh, one ops, and one other great resource research functionality that can actually fill fill those roles. Would be my would be my team. I think. Amazing. And the reason I ask that is because all the all the recruitment business owners I speak to, um, they always say to me that our oh, marketing would hire a videographer, they'd hire a content writer, they'd hire mm. um, an SEO specialist, they, they'd hire all these people. If they could have a team of 30 people. And I always say to them, that's not that's not true, actually. I don't think that's true at all. Um, and everybody I've asked over this, this series, not a single person has said they'd have more marketing than, than sales and operations. They just haven't. No, I, I wouldn't do it at all. I think, you know, um, you, you need a great base um, in terms of technology for your business to run well. Um, so it's tools like yourselves. It, it's, you know, a great CRM system. It, it's a good web product as well. You, you definitely need that as your bench because if you could have all the sales guys in the world, but if you haven't got a brand, then, you know, what are you trading on really? Um, and I know there's a lot of companies out there who are one-man bands and do very well. But again, they're trading on their own personal brands rather than anything else with that with that instance. Um, and if you don't have a brand there in the marketplace, then you're going to struggle. So you're always going to need the marketeers, but you're going to need the ops person to make sure it runs, and you're going to need the great BD person to, to help push that marketing aim together. And then still want to wrap your knuckles to tell you when you're spending too much money on rubbish. <laughs> Done. Brilliant. So my, my last final question for you is, what's your number one tip to getting sales and marketing working together? Oh, that's a real, you know, I don't know, over the years, I, I definitely would, 
that's such a tough one. What do I choose? I'm really tempted to say the best way to get to get to know anybody in any kind of situation is outside of the work setting, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. having a beer with somebody or having a bite to eat or something like that can reveal so much more about and, and strengthen a relationship rather than just talking about work. Um, can build that piece there. Uh, that that'd be my tip: is, is get to know your recruiters, get to know your sales guys, know what makes them tick, what makes them happy, that kind of thing, how they react. Um, and you'll also start to see, you know, when you join a business, you'll you'll work out who where strengths lie. You know, there's going to be some people within your organization who are great on social already, and then you're going to see people who probably need a helping hand, or then you're going to see another group that have different skill sets. And so it's working out who has what strengths, and 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 you know how that looks in terms of an organization but yeah i'm going to say the best some of the best conversations i've ever had have been over a pint in the pub where you where you know you get to hear actual people's actual thoughts um about a business you know in a work setting you, you relax that a little bit and people can be a bit more open and that helps a lot more you don't just want the kind of the tick sheet answers to say oh this business is great this is great this is great you want a little bit of negativity in there i think and it helps balance that out Absolutely. And I've got one follow-up. I know I said you were down. <laughs> no, it's all good. I've got time. I've got, it's all good, Darren. It's all good. <laughs> you, you mentioned that inside your business, you may have one or two people that are already good at social. Mm. How, how do you use them? Because what, what my experience is that you should turn them into sort of champions and, and then make it show that they get good results and this is why you should do it. Is that something you do? Yeah, I think this is more of a question rather than from me as a marketeer, but as, as kind of a, as a as for our training team here, they've they identified a, you know, a, a big group of LinkedIn super users who have the knowledge of the platform. And they're, 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 they are seen as the guys within the business that people can lean on and ask questions for. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily come to us in terms of marketing. But then again, we pick out people who we know have a uh, particularly good personal brand. Um, there are people who go above and beyond in terms of they're already doing outreach for things like events or they go to events in their spare time and they have that passion. And, and it's working out how you can work with them to support them rather than stealing the limelight, perhaps. Um, and it's, it's encouraging them to do it rather than, you know, it's not holding their hand. They're already doing it. It's how we can support them further is, is how we how we try to use them amazing thank you so much for your time i really do appreciate it and uh, thank you for joining me for a fanta really well good. honestly if, if anyone's out there i highly recommend cape point pale ale it's, it's an excellent one for 3 30 in the afternoon and i'm always happy to have a little a little uh, a little chat about what's happening in the in the recruitment marketing space it's you know uh, it's been an incredible seven weeks in terms of what's happened in the world and um, you know, uh, there's been an incredible response from other marketeers. You know, we talked about the, you know, uh, Glenn Southall's group. We talked about your contributions, the podcasting, all that kind of stuff. It, it's been really, really useful. Um, and it's great to see the industry coming together in that way. And uh, we, we, you know, you've been in recruitment longer than I have, I think. And, and you all have seen this classic kind of closed doorness. Perhaps this is our business. Yeah. We keep that to ourselves. And we're seeing a lot more opening and sharing of it. I think that's partly down to the way, you know, the socials come into it, but also that the fact that we're, we're not in our offices. We need more interaction. We need that kind of thing. Um, and then that's a really like, good example of that, actually, is um, I was at Broadbean during the 2008 recession. And the stats that Broadbean are sharing on their company pages right now, Isla, if you're listening, absolutely fantastic mm. job. They're sharing the job market data so people can see per sector, is the, is the market working? Now, yep. in 2008, we saw that as IP, right? We, yeah. knew, we yep. knew what was going on. Other people didn't. Um, now, it's being openly shared every single day on LinkedIn. It's absolutely yep. fantastic to see. But that change in mindset is incredible.
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and you're seeing that kind of data. Look, you know, we are we want to be we are a data led business to a certain extent. So we got the data from people like Indeed, like LinkedIn, very very early on. Uh, to say what the search terms have changed to, what people are looking for, that kind of thing. And we adapted our approach based on the data that they shared. Uh, and that's become super useful. You're totally right about the broad bean data and how things that. We, we wanted to understand what has happened in this kind of period of, 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 of you know, pandemic. And the only way to, we could have got that was because everyone wanted to share. Uh, and that's been brilliant. Absolutely great. Perfect. Well, I, I honestly feel like I could talk to you for another two hours. When the pub <laughs> will open, we will we'll go for a proper drink. Thank you again. And, uh, no, no. <laughs> honestly, Darren, absolute pleasure. I know, uh, you know, Page was a new product to me coming into Harnham. We have nothing but positive things to say with it. We've already suggested a couple of changes. The, the stuff you brought out this week in terms of the, of the tagging, uh, that saves, saves us a lot of time during the day. Uh, and, you know, I, I, one of the reasons why I'm here is, is it's such a great platform that you've built. Um, and, you know, we, we love the data that we get from it. Um, we've seen the stats and it's an important part of our social media mix. Well, thank you very much. You didn't have to say that, but I will pay you the £10 after. Yeah, I will do that. I'll, I'll take that in beer or anything else you want to say. No, joking at all. No, I, honestly, Darren, that was genuine. And people out there who are using other products, might be a buffer, might be something else like that, you should seriously have a take a look at it. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it goes a little bit further than, than some of those products. Amazing. Let's leave it there. Thank you. <laughs>